Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Move this a little bit, if that's okay, just so I can see everyone's beautiful face. Are we doing good today? Are you doing good? Yes? Yes? Uh, Congratulations to Nathan, I think. One, right? The, uh, oh, you're over here. Sorry. Um, Perfect. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on winning, Gabe. Congratulations on forever proving once and for all that fifth grade is better than sixth grade. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I didn't make it up. That was just the results. Um, guys, well, I don't know if I'm alone in this. Maybe if I am, then I'm going to feel uh, very isolated and ostracized and weird. But growing up, there were several different houses that were in or around my neighborhood that I was just intrigued by. Because, and and ultimately, I wanted to see the inside of them. I wanted to know what lay inside these cool houses. Some of them were because I thought the outside looked cool, and I was like, I wonder if the inside matches the coolness. Others were because I heard rumors about these houses, and I wanted to see if they were true. For example, there was a house down the street that was rumored to have an elevator in it. I don't know if that's common in your life, but it was not in mine, especially because I had a one-story house. And so I really wanted to see if this house had an elevator. I was very interested. There was another one that apparently had some sort of secret room behind a bookcase, Nicolas Cage, National Treasure style, and I really wanted to know if that was true, and if so, I wanted to find it, and there was only going to be one way that that would actually happen, and it was me going into the house. And so Halloween was great, because I could dress up in the disguise of a chubby little Frankenstein or something, and I could go up to the door, and then they would hopefully inevitably answer, and then I could be like, hello, trick or treat, when in reality, I'm just trying to get inside their house. Also, I want candy. Obviously, I was super fat in junior high, so obviously I wanted candy, but also had the second goal of wanting to see the inside of their house. But there was no house that, that held that place of mystery in my heart. More than what I simply knew, what my friends simply knew, as the big white house on the hill. And you can imagine the setting of this house. It was big, white, and on a hill. And it looked more like a space observatory than it did a home. And I wanted to see it because no one knew who lived there. No one knew what the inside looked like. It had fencing around it. And so I, need, I just wanted to know. I wanted them to invite me in because I wanted to see what the inside of their house looked like. Some of my friends, maybe you have friends like this, said, supposedly, that they knew what the inside looked like, that they had been there, and they were full of it. They were lying. No way that they had, everyone knew that they were messing around. And some people tried to get close, but there was pretty good fencing around the whole thing, and so you couldn't really get very close to see what the inside of this observatory house looked like. And then there were others that tried to hop the fence, and then they were never heard from again. And so we just, no, not really. That didn't actually happen. They didn't die. Maybe. And so we all just wanted to know what this house held inside. We were so curious. Do you have places like this? Like, is it just me? Like, do you have a house maybe in your neighborhood or like maybe in your grandparents' neighborhood or something that you're like, that has piqued my interest and I really want to know what's inside. Or maybe it was like inside of a house. Like growing up, I wasn't really allowed to go into my grandparents' like master bedroom. And so it sort of held this mystery of like, what is in that room? Like, is it gold? I don't know. Like, is it jewelry? Like nice, really nice jewelry? I was curious. So maybe for you, that's what it is. Maybe it's a grandparents' room or like part of a friend's house that their parents are just like, just 
stay on this side that you can destroy things and don't go over to that side. Maybe that's what it is for you. But here's the thing. I would have paid all of the money in my piggy bank, all $3 as a seventh grader, eighth grader, to have seen the inside of this house. I wanted to be invited in and see it. In fact, I was even texting my sisters the other day who we're all now in our 20s, and they still, all of us still have this mystery and this, this desire to see the inside. We want to be able to go up to the house. We want to knock on the door. We want to say, please let us in and let us see your house. As weird as that would sound, because if we did it now, we would probably get arrested or given a stern warning to get off their lawn before they called the cops or something. Now, why do I say that? Because today we are beginning our time in the Sermon on the Mount, learning from the master teacher, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Now up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew has walked us through a few different things in chapters 1 through 4. He's told us about Jesus' family tree in Matthew chapter 1. He's told us a little bit about the Christmas story, which we obviously celebrated and talked a lot about several weeks ago. He's told us about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus and then baptizing Jesus and then Jesus's temptation with the devil himself in the desert. And it's about halfway through Matthew chapter four that we see Jesus begin what we simply call his public ministry. That's where he began to go around primarily teaching and healing. And Matthew chapter four tells us who he was healing. It says this, that he was healing people ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And Matthew sums up what he was telling these people with this phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, And, and that's what Jesus was talking about. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. That's what we see in Matthew chapter four. And then in Matthew chapter five, Jesus opens the door for you and me and ultimately for all the people of that world to see what lies inside of the kingdom. He doesn't leave us guessing on what the heart of the kingdom is about. He doesn't leave us wondering what this kingdom really is. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, we don't talk about kingdoms or think about them a whole lot in our world. In fact, I could really only think of two big examples of a time that you would. If you are in social studies class and you're talking about ancient kingdoms, or you were talking about the Chiefs fan base called Chiefs Kingdom. So those are really the only things. Yes, big game this weekend and all of that. Very exciting. So what is a kingdom? What is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Well, first, it's important for us to know that oftentimes in the Gospels, the phrases kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God will be used very similarly. And that tells us something about what this is. And so maybe here's a helpful definition for you that will be on the screen, but in case you're in these front rows and you can't see, maybe you can see through the door, I will also say it. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of people. Can you see? The rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of people. A kingdom has a king, and in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, that king is God. In the kingdom of God, where what the king wants done is done. It is where what God wants done is done. And Jesus shows up 
And he tells people that kingdom is here and that kingdom is now. And he invites them into this kingdom that is drastically different than the kingdoms of this world. And, and maybe it will help for you to think about like, instead of kingdom, like government or, or system, that is the kind of thing that Jesus came out saying. That this is a kingdom that is very, very different than the ones that you and I often interact with. And we know that because he describes it in the Sermon on the Mount. He describes it by saying that in Jesus' kingdom, the things that we value, the, things, the, the way that we see things, the way that we understand things, the way that we talk about things, so much of that, if not all of it, is flipped upside down in the kingdom. And a lot of you have been reading about that this week and hopefully memorizing it, which if you are, that is awesome. And hopefully you can be talking about that in your groups. So keep that up. So Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, by telling the crowd around him that they're blessed, that they're in a good spot, that they have a lot to be happy about. Now keep in mind that the crowd of people that Jesus is talking to are the very people that he just spent time teaching and healing. So these are people that up to a few days ago in their life had spent a lot of their life or all of their life sick or paralyzed or demon-possessed or having seizures on a regular basis. That is the crowd that he's talking to, and it continues to grow as he travels more and more and more and more people are following him. And so Jesus has now been going around very clearly describing the kingdom with his actions, and now he's going to begin describing it with his words. He is going to tell them, he's going to open the door through his words so that the crowd around him can see into what the kingdom is like. So he says, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus asks. It is endless good news for people who are in trouble, for people who need help, and for people who do not have it all together. And it, that good news is that in the midst of their trouble, in the midst of their hard situation, not before their hard situation or, and not after it. So not after they got everything together, not after they didn't need help anymore, not after they were no longer in trouble, but while it was happening, Jesus showed up, opened the door to the kingdom to these people and invited them in. Now, I want to be clear that the list of Beatitudes that you just heard read and that we're going to look at, they're not a list of qualifications. They're not a list of Jesus saying, you better be crying, you better be poor in spirit, you better be merciful, you better be a peacemaker, or else you're not getting into the kingdom. He's not adding more rules and more laws. That's not what Jesus is doing. And that's really great for us. He is saying that despite this type of person's terrible circumstance, he has come to them and he has invited them in to this kingdom. He has opened the door and the door has been opened by the one man, the one guy who has the authority to open it. And if you're wondering, that word beatitudes, which you've maybe never ever used in regular conversation, I really haven't, it comes from the Latin word meaning blessed. And so it's just a, a list of blessedness is really what we're dealing with here. And so he's talking to these people that would describe themselves as poor in spirit, as hungry, as mourning, for, as hungry for righteousness. 
And he invites them into this kingdom where it isn't about the nicest clothes. It isn't about the popular table. It isn't about who's the best at their hobby. It isn't about who has the most followers, but it is about the grace of Jesus coming to us wherever we're at, whether it was a good day or a bad day or the worst day ever, and inviting us into the life of abundance that he offers. And you won't find a kingdom like this anywhere else on earth, which is what makes it so remarkable that Jesus would even come to us and offer it in the first place. So who's in? Because a lot of the things that we read about in Matthew, a lot of those are descriptions that we wouldn't necessarily use in our daily life. Like you probably didn't recently describe yourself as poor in spirit. You probably did not recently say, I am hungry for righteousness. You maybe said, I'm hungry for hamburger, but I'm not hungry for righteousness. So what are these things that Jesus is talking about? Well, first, he says that the poor in spirit are invited in. The spiritual zeros. These are the people that are bad at following Jesus. The people that think that they don't know enough about the Bible or God or prayer, and so they just don't really give it a shot anyway. Jesus says to those people that the kingdom is open for you and that you are invited in. And then he looks at the mourners, the people that can't stop crying because they're heartbroken, because they're sad, or because something or someone is gone or lost, and that is breaking their heart. And Jesus says to them, the kingdom is open to you now, and one day my comfort is gonna turn your tears into laughter. And then Jesus invites in the meek, which you've probably never even used the word meek. I know I haven't used it very much. So what is meek? The completely ignored the awkwardly shy, the walked on, the rejected, the unimportant people, the people that want to speak up but have just been told to shut up so many times that they've just decided to tell themselves that and so they just be quiet. The meek, Jesus says to them, the kingdom is open to you and the earth is yours and your father's as you need it. And then there's the hungry and the thirsty for righteousness. The people that want to see things made right, but they just aren't seeing it. They, they, they know how things ought to be, whether it's in themselves or in the people around them, but they just aren't seeing those things. Like they know what they, they know what's right, but they are only seeing wrong. It's, it's somebody that, that almost feels like they're kind of stuck in a desert and they know that they need water, but they just aren't getting that water and so they're dying. They need that fulfillment. And Jesus says to them that the kingdom is open to you and one day the goodness of God is going to make every other desire fall away as he satisfies everything that we could ever possibly think about. And then Jesus says, the merciful, the pushover, the teenager who chooses forgiveness, who chooses mercy over revenge. And is because of that is called a pushover, is called weak, is somebody that, they, that, thinks, that other people think that they can just walk on because they didn't hit back, they didn't get even. And so Jesus promises them that the kingdom is open and that the mercy that they're gonna get from the Father is gonna lead them into eternity. And then Jesus says the pure in heart are invited into. This is the person for whom nothing is good enough. 
not their good grades, not their athletic performance, not the newest technology, not what they see in the mirror, not what they see around them. Nothing is good enough. And their standards are so high that even they themselves aren't measuring up. And Jesus says to them, the kingdom is open to you now. And one day you're going to see God. And when you do, you will finally see someone who is good enough. And he invites them in. And then Jesus invites the peacemakers. This is the friend that is stuck in a fight between two other friends and is trying to help them listen to the other person. And then what ends up happening is that both friends end up hating them. Both friends end up thinking that they can't be trusted just because they tried to resolve that conflict. This is the child who is stuck between two fighting parents and has now become some sort of messenger between them. Have you been there? Because I have, and it is not fun. And Jesus says to that person, the kingdom is open to you and you are showing the beauty of your father as you try and bring peace in the same way that he sought to bring peace to all mankind. And then Jesus says, He invites in the people that are blessed because of their stand for what is right. The people that are refusing to be a part of something that they know is wrong, that they know is gonna hurt themselves, that they know is gonna hurt somebody else. And that means maybe standing up to their friends and they risk losing them. This is the, the made fun of goody two shoes that, that everybody is no longer inviting to anything because they just think that they're no fun. Jesus says to them that the kingdom is open to you and the goodness of its king is a stronger foundation than anything you might lose. And last but not least, Jesus invites in the people that are made fun of, that are attacked, that are insulted because of him. This is the student that is made fun of for taking Jesus seriously. The person that people look at and say, but really who takes Jesus that seriously? Like who really follows him like that? And Jesus says to them that you are invited into the kingdom and that you can rejoice because the reward of your loving father is what awaits you. That is the kingdom. And those are the people to whom Jesus first opens it. Instead of elevating and opening it first to the people that our world often finds important, the strong and the popular and the wealthy and the good looking and the people that everybody else wants to be like. Instead, Jesus opens the door and walks in and invites in the very people that the rest of the world ignores. The walked on, the people, the, 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 the person that nobody else wants to be like. The person that just wants to stay in their room because they don't want to face the reality of whatever is outside it. That is the person that Jesus invites in. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus knew you and came to you before you even knew that you needed him. And if you've not made that decision or have not had that moment of recognition, that means that he's come to you and is with you even now. 
And it tells us that the kingdom that Jesus came and established is around us. And he invites us to walk through the door by following him with our life, by trusting him on the great adventure that he would have you and I go on with him. He extends his hand and he invites in, not leaving us to wonder. He invites in the very people that the rest of the world would kick to the curb. And then he gives a warning because we see in Luke that Luke records this same section of scripture. And Luke adds a warning that comes from Jesus that he gives to the very people that do the kicking. The very people that would just reject the rest of the world. And Jesus says to them to maybe consider that the life that you are living, to maybe consider that the things that you think are going to lead you to more life and and a better life are actually leading you to death, that maybe you've set yourself a trap and you're stuck in it, that maybe you are following the the very path that that the enemy, the devil, would like you to follow. And he gives them a warning and yet he still extends his hand because it's not closed to anyone. There's nobody that Jesus says, actually not you. It's open. That's made clear. He made sure on the cross. His kingdom is open wide for all people. And that's the opposite of the kingdoms of the earth. And that's really good news because the kingdoms of the earth stink. They're selfish and they're power hungry, and they will do whatever they can to get what they want, if, even if that includes using the name of Jesus to try and cover up their own prideful, selfish motives. You don't have to look far to see it. But that's not Jesus. That's not how he works. Because in his kingdom, weakness won, and we know that because his throne was a cross, and his crown was made of thorns. And it's because weakness won that the door was opened for you and me and the people that Jesus spoke to in this chapter that we can rejoice because the kingdom is open. And so the application is simply that you're invited. And so he's inviting you in. So will you go in? Will you follow him? He's opened the door. It's just a yeah. It's, it's just, will you see the goodness of his grace in coming to you? And then that's it. And then he takes it from there. And then he takes it from there. So, are you in? Are you in? Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Father, thank you that you don't leave us wondering if we can get in, if we're good enough, if, if the kingdom's open to us, because it was never about what we could do. It was never about who we were. It was always about who you are and what you've done and what you're still doing. So, Father, help us to trust you. Help us to see that you have opened the kingdom to us and that we can simply walk in. We've been invited. So we can simply rejoice knowing that you've done it and that we can live in it because of that. 
Father, thank you. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.